In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash acast. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to the Really 007 podcast for this special behind-the-camera interview with Sid Child, stuntwoman extraordinaire. Now, Sid was key in the breaking through of women's the stunts world, and she's appeared, of course, in The Avengers, The Return of the Pink Panther, Blake 7, the first two Superman films, and the James Bond film, For Your Eyes Only, which is one of our personal favourites, and I know John with me, he absolutely loves that film. So, yes, you can watch our other interviews on our YouTube channel, and you can also listen to every episode on iTunes and Spotify. We're on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And yes, I've alluded to it already, but with me, we have perhaps, I think, the, the foremost historian and broadcaster in the world of stunts, Mr. John Orty. Good, good oh, afternoon me. to you. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. I was, I, was look- was. I was looking around thinking, this is one hell of an intro. Who is yeah. this guy? Oh, it's <laughs> it's uh, lovely to be here again. Thank you very much indeed. Yeah, it's great to have you. And interviewing a stunt woman, we, we you know, John has got to be there. He, he, this guy has done so much to give the world of stunts back, I think, and sort of put a real focus on it and let people like me, fans all, all over the world who perhaps haven't had the insights, give us that insight. And we did a, a recent episode on the stunts of the entire Bond franchise. And uh, yes, we, we mentioned Sid on that as well. So that's been, uh, yeah. it's been a learning experience for me, John. Well, it's uh, it's just great that, that that there is an audience for it. I must admit the fact that um, the the stunt industry, the performers, the doubles, the coordinators, they don't really get the recognition they deserve. Whether whether many of them want the recognition or not, it's the, the way it is at the present time, is that people get to find out about how these action sequences are created from paper as the script, and then actually creating it on screen. And how do they do that? Well, obviously the the actors can't do it all. It's people like Sid who are brought in because of their background, their ability, their look, you know, all of that taken into consideration. And it's, a, it's still a very, very difficult business for a woman. 
that we we can't gloss over that either. You know, it's a very different game being a stunt woman as it is to being a stunt man. Certainly back in the days when when uh, Sid was prevalent through during that period. But we we will discuss that with you, I think, during the course of today. Yeah, I've got to say, Sid, it's it's an honour to be amongst you today. And I know recently John himself went to a book signing. So. You've already met about a week ago. Yeah, last she, Saturday. That's yeah, right. oh, great. And okay, she, yeah. She hasn't forgotten me yet, so that's all <laughs> no, I haven't side, forgotten guys, you. you know. Not been put off, no. I haven't. Uh, I've still got the old charm, you know what I mean? Uh, but uh, no, it was, it was it was a lovely to promote the book. And, and I think yeah. that was the the, uh, the whole purpose of the thing was to, was to get as much information and, and as uh, much interest. And there's a great deal of interest in in your story. So it's uh, it's great that you're in, in a position to to present this book now to the world after so many years. And you've, you've got yeah. it. There, haven't you? <laughs> I have indeed. Yes, yeah, I'll yeah. show it now to the, to see to the yeah. audience. There we are. There yeah. we go. Proof. Yes. Yeah. Proof. Judo, the Avengers, if- and me. So that I mean that says it all, doesn't it, Sid? Really, that's that's been a massive part of your life. It has. Yes. Uh, well, judo for a long time was my life, and the Avengers became part of it as well. The, uh, certainly, as far as judo is concerned, I mean, it's uh, we we have to ask why why judo and why yeah. then you know at that part of your life what was that transition that you decided i think judo is the uh, is the game for me what what was the thinking behind that well um it, it says a bit about it in the book i'd been introduced as a small child to to ballet because my mother realized i was going to be tall and she uh-huh. said you should learn deportment so she sent me off to ballet classes which right. i enjoyed but but as i sort of matured and grew a little bit older it became a little bit more difficult. I was obviously tall. Um, I kept being told that, well, that wouldn't be any good with partners because, you know, it would be awkward for them to lift me. Not that I thought I weighed that much, but also I I have a a weak right ankle and all my friends were learning point work and I was struggling with it. And I'd reached a point where I was beginning to think perhaps I should be looking for something different. And I've been going to classes on a regular basis. So I wanted something else to go to on a regular basis. Mm. And my dad ran a pub out in the sticks. And one day one of the customers came in and said, do you know that they've got a club starting in the next village? And we all said, well, what? And he said, it's judo. Well, this was, you know, in the 1960s and nobody knew what judo was. And we're all like, well, what's judo? Well, we we don't know. It's... um, it's something, something to do with self-defence um, and it's foreign. And that's about all we knew. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll go and have a, a nose around and see what it's like. So I went down there and they were all very, very friendly and come and have a go. And they lent me a jacket and I got on the mat and started having a go and discovered that it's, um, it's a bit like playing something like chess. You're trying to outwit your opponent. You want to do things that score on them before they can do it to you. And I had a, a wonderful evening and I thought, I like that. I'm going back. And I just kept going back and became a part of the club and stayed with that. I don't suppose it would have been at that time something that was, um, you mentioned from self-defence, but was this, this would have been before Honor Blackman would have brought out that oh, book yes. in connection. This is long before that period. Oh, it's long so before then. Yeah. It, it wasn't associated as something that, that women were doing on a regular basis. No, I, and it, it wasn't really self-defense i mean if you think of doing judo to learn self-defense it's not really quite like that you can use it for self-defense but only if it's something that you've been doing on a regular basis and it comes naturally to you um if you were going to try and think 
oh, well, my instructor told me I should put my foot here and my hand there. And I should, it's too late. You need to do it mm. straight away. And you'll only do that if it becomes natural to you. So it's something you need to just practice, you know, and enjoy. Did you find, just thinking about that for a second, the period of time that you did spend doing ballet, did any of that transfer, any of that become useful to you as far as maybe balance was concerned, poise as far as the the judo work? Well, not that I actually realised, but possibly Mm. it did. I mean, I had a, a certain amount of suppleness and it would help you with the balance and the movements. We found this a little bit when, when I was helping Joanna to get her fitness for the new Avengers, she had to do an hour with me every morning and an hour with a ballet teacher every morning. Oh, okay. And um, the ballet teacher and I used to talk and confer and, you know, compare things. And yeah, it, it is different. It's not the same thing at all, but no, there, no. Are, there are things that cross over. Yeah. I didn't know whether that would um, standing on one leg, spinning your leg around, you know, that kind of thing. (laughs) First position, second position. Yes, exactly. I saw (laughs) you. Well, certainly, as far as that judo is concerned, you it got to a stage, uh, just uh, having an early stage at that uh, chapter there, where where the the trainer couldn't do any more for you. Is that right? And then decided, look, I can't teach you any further. You need to move on to to the next level, which is which is where the Budokai came in. Right? Yeah, That's yeah. right, yes. What used to happen was every time I went to a grade in and became the next grade, whatever that was, I would go back right. to my teacher and say, well, what have I got to do now? What's the next bit? You know, what am I working for? And I got my brown belt and did the usual thing, you know, what do I do now? And he said, well, I can't help you anymore. You'll have to go to London. Um, I can't progress you any further here, which stumped me because I was a little country bumpkin. And I, I didn't know about going into London, especially on my own, you know. Mm. And um, there was a man at the club who did used to visit the Budokai regularly. And he said, I'll show you where it is. And um, he took me into London to the Budokai. And of course, I couldn't train that night because it was a men only session. Okay. So I went and lost myself in the local coffee bar for a while until he came out and then went back home. But I, I knew then what the timetable was. I knew when the ladies' sessions were, and I now knew how to find it. And right. for a long, long time, I had to always follow that particular route, always had to get the number 14 bus. I would never dare walk from the tube station to the Budokai because I would get lost. I had mm. to wait for the bus and get off at the right stop. I nearly got lost the other night trying to walk from <laughs> the tube station to the Budokai. So I understand exactly what you're talking about. Yes. It's yeah. easy done, yeah. And then when somebody said to me, oh, you know you can get from Earl's Court, you don't have to go to South Kent. I thought, oh, not sure about that. <laughs> don't change now. Same route. No, same route, yeah. yeah. But you got, I to tra- you got to train with the men, though, didn't you, eventually? Ah, yeah. Well, yeah, what happened was, um, to cut a long story short, you'll find it all in the book, it took a long time before we had ladies' championships. Mm. Yeah. And then we, uh, no, it was years, and then when we finally had a ladies' championship, the girl I met in the final was a German girl, and it took me back a little bit that she stood up and looked me right in the eye. And um, I hadn't actually thought about it, but the girls that I trained with were all smaller than me. Right. So um, I thought, well, if I'm going to um, get involved in this kind of thing and, and meet foreigners, then I'm going to meet people this sort of size. I need to practice with people this sort of size. And the only way I'm going to do that is to get in on the men's class and pl- practice with the lightweight, light middleweight men. 
those type of obviously for their not only for their height but obviously for their for their similar stature and body weight to yes, for, for yeah. comparison yes. and the the decision was made as far as you were concerned fairly early on that because you enjoyed it and because you were good as far as you were concerned you were you were adapting yourself to it you, you could see yourself moving on and moving forward and progressing ultimately to competition I hadn't really thought about it. I went along because I, I just wanted to progress. Right. And at that stage, ladies could only progress by grade. There wasn't anything else to work for. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was doing. But we knew that we couldn't get very far because there was one lady who was a fourth Dan who spent most of her time in Japan. And the other ladies, there were a few scattered second Dan's. There were a few first Dan's. There weren't a lot of any kind, really. And to have um, a grade in an examination, you've got to have six people of the same grade or in those days anyway, you had to have six people of the same grade to grade with you okay. because you, you had to do individual competitions, you had to do lineups, you needed at least six people. So it was difficult to get that many of sure. women together. So it did take quite a while. There is a name that keeps cropping up in the book uh, that many people will be familiar with, which is Brian Jacks. Mm. Uh, and certainly from a from a British audience point of view, there used to be a television series called Superstars that That's people right. r- will remember him being the uh, uh, the king of that uh, of that series. Yeah. Uh, what part of a, of a role did he play as far as uh, uh, his work and at uh, uh, the Budokai? Well, he used to run the Olympic training class. Right. And um, that was the class I wanted to try and get in on if I could. And um, it was very popular, uh, very busy. There used to be, I don't know, about 60 or 70 people in his class, mm-hmm. uh, all men. Um, and I went to him and said, um, is it possible? Can I join in the class? And it was like, oh, I don't know. You better ask the manager who was Sid Hall. And I asked Sid and he said, oh, I, I don't know. You better ask Brian. And it, <laughs> yeah. I was being to and fro between the two of them. And then it went to the committee and the committee ummed and ahed about it and they weren't too sure. And then eventually they said, well, all right. Um, we'll let you go in because of the reasons you've given us. But if any other woman wants to join in, then uh, you'll have to leave. Okay, so, right. Uh, I think that what they were worried about was that I might dilute the standard because being female, I wouldn't be as good, you see. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, that was obviously that was the time. It was of its time, wasn't it? Yeah. That particular. Well, yeah. well particularly the, the way I, I looked at it was they had 60 to 70 men in this class. Right. And if I joined in, I was just one woman might or might not be a fly in the ointment, but they could carry on. And I didn't see that I was going to harm them at all. Um, and when it, when they actually let me in, I was just another one of the gang, really. Well, I, I, that's true. Brian didn't make I, any allowances. And he didn't. I just, no, that's, that's it. That's yeah. good. Also, of course, you you th- that whole concept of not wanting to dilute it, but obviously from their point of view, the other thing of not wanting to maybe hurt you in that respect of people thinking no 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 it's a girl you know there was still that thought that thought process at the time and you were obviously oh, proving so. to them it didn't make a blind <laughs> bit of difference they could yeah you, you, it wasn't an option no no I think uh, at that stage because it was quite a few years ago now and I think at that stage the women were considered a bit of a nuisance you know why do they want to join in on our fun you know that, that kind right. of thing um, the, the, the ladies' sessions used to be in um, a, a different dojo um, you couldn't see in. They tried to sort of ignore us a bit, didn't really want us around. But uh, fortunately, we had a, a very good instructor, Charles Palmer, 
who was also at that time, I think he was chairman of the Budokai, he's certainly chairman of the British Judo Association. And um, he actually supported women um, in judo and he helped us for a long time. He was always there, you know, he, he was very fair on both sides. He didn't. He wasn't going to sort of make allowances, but he didn't see why we shouldn't be allowed to join in. Well, quite right. And I, I think um, long term, particularly if you speak to uh, women and girls today who are either starting out on that journey as far as martial arts are concerned or have got to a stage where they are instructor level or above or even in competition, uh, they do refer to people like you as those inspirations from from because you started it all rolling you know you gave them the impetus to 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 go well look if she can do it then i can do it and look what's happened to her i've gone she's gone on to other other bits and pieces so it must be must be very gratifying to look back and think yeah okay i i, I did make a difference in sport not only yeah yeah um we realize it now but at the time you're not really thinking that you're right. just thinking well why can't i do it you know why can the men go to the Olympics and we can't? Oh. You know, yeah, why is, right. what's what's wrong? You know, I I didn't ask to be born a woman. Why why can't I do these things? What what's wrong? I mean, even I don't know if you've read that bit in the book. When we first had our first championships, they um, decided that we would have team championships. We wouldn't have individuals. We'd have teams, and the teams would be from each area. And the first one was in in Liverpool. And it was behind locked doors because they didn't think that the public should be allowed in to watch women fight. It was considered inappropriate. And for years, this thinking was the same. It, it outgrew going round to um, individual places like Liverpool and, and it started to be held at the Crystal Palace. But a curtain was put round the tatami so that people couldn't see. Couldn't see. Which was a bit silly because if you went up on the balcony, you could look in. You could look over the top. Of course you could, yes. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hadn't, hadn't thought this one through, lads, had they? Really? No, and it, and, it, uh, and it reduced their income because people couldn't buy tickets to come and watch. So your family couldn't come along and watch. I mean, my family never wanted to anyway, but some people's <laughs> families did. <laughs> did there, was, there, was there no, I mean, I'm not saying there wasn't any support, but certainly was, was there nothing that suggested, yeah, we'll, we'll go along and, and, and watch a, uh, what, in, a, in a bout? Or, uh, was that not something that they wanted to do or were a, weren't able to do? What you mean? How do you mean? I mean, from, from uh, if they wanted to go along and watch, for instance. They, oh, I uh, see. No, the, uh, the public couldn't, weren't allowed in. Were mm. not allowed in at all. No. Well, certainly from the, 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 the public's perspective, they did get a chance to see you in a slightly different capacity because further down the line, or once you got to the stage where judo was was something that that was very natural to you put a great deal of work into it you were approached weren't you if i'm if i'm not mistaken uh, by the uh, the fight arranger for the avengers T tell us how that that came about uh, it was uh, from a phone call perspective i believe well what happened was i was actually working as a photographer that was my career right and i was doing day release i don't know if they still do day release but we used to do day release then and I'd go to Ealing College, and one of our tutors was a film stills man, and he used to bring in photographs of the things he was working on to impress us, you know. Right. And, um, 
it'd be all so do you meet Roger Moore? And uh, one day he, he brought in this photograph of these people in army uniform on a judo mat doing judo. Okay. And at that time, the judo world was relatively small and you, a lot of people knew everybody else. So I was interested to see whether these were anybody I knew. So I asked him about it and he said, oh, they're, they're not actors, they're stuntmen. So I said, do you mean to say you can get paid for doing judo? Oh. And, yeah. Yes. And at that stage, down. going to judo cost me a fortune. I used to have to get a bus to get to the train station. Then I had a mainline train into London. Then I had to go on the tube. Then I had a bus from the tube station to the Budokai, pay your fees, and then all the way back. back again. Yeah. Oh, and back again. And, and I started off, I was doing um, just two days a week. Then it became three days a week. Then it became like five, six. And I was going all the time. I, I never had any money. It all went on going to judo and doing judo. And I thought if I could do something with the judo that would give me a bit more money, that would really yeah. help. So um, I asked him about it. He, he wasn't very helpful to begin with because he didn't want it to interfere with what I was doing with my work. But eventually he gave me the phone number of somebody who was a stunt arranger on, I think it was Danger Man. And I rang him up and spoke to him. And he asked me you know, things like, okay, you can do judo. Can you drive? Can you swim? Can you dive? Can you ride a horse? all these kind of things. And um, I answered all his questions and he said, okay, I'll get back to you. And I put the phone down and I thought, what are you doing? I thought, how can you push your way in, into something you know nothing about? And I thought, I felt really embarrassed and I thought, I'm just going to forget I did that and, um, you know, forget about it. And I was on a, a course at the Budokai that Watanabe was running and I had to go every day and I was coming back on the Thursday and it, I remember it, it, it was 10 past eight and I walked through the door and my mother said to me, oh, you're too late. You're too late. You know, and I said, well, too late for what? And she said, oh, there's been a phone call, but you've got to ring before eight. So I said, well, give me the number and I'll ring now. And she didn't know who it was, but obviously whatever it was had sort of got her in a state. So um, I rang and it was Ray Austin, who was the stunt arranger for the Avengers. Brilliant. And they'd been using a man and he'd got injured and they needed somebody, a tall girl, and they hadn't got any tall stunt girls. Mm. And um, the chap I'd, given, I'd been speaking to had passed my number on. Right. So it was like, can you come in tomorrow to see if you'll do? And they stood me next to Diane and walked around us like they were buying a cow and um, <laughs> decided, <laughs> decided oh, if, if I lost right, weight. Make me an offer. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it was. You just had to stand there while they all walked around. And exactly, yeah. and it, was, it was the next step to opening mouth to look at your teeth, you know. Oh, dear, <laughs> man. <laughs> dear Lord. But I thought the um, stunt arranger on, on Danger Man must have been Frank Mayer, probably. Wouldn't yes, it, it was. Been, I guess yes. with Frank yeah. Mayer. I probably did his own little bits and pieces on the Avengers at some point. But so that was the case, was was that um, you'd, you'd received this phone call. And how, how quickly after that did did things happen? You'd gone down, they, um, they, did, the, they did the way. parade ring routine. And then uh, how quickly after yeah. that? Was it fairly soon um, after that? Yes, they, they decided that, yes, I, I, I could possibly do if my mm. hair was cut, if I, because... Um, I had long hair then and Diana's was on her shoulders. Right. If I had my hair uh, cut and changed, if I lost a bit of weight, if I had the clothes to fit, yes, it'd be fine. So Ray was like, well, come on, come and try the car out. And we were going up and down the M1 in the Elan. And uh, oh. then I had to go into London for a dress fitting. And it all happened very quickly. And, and by the next week, 
I was in there working on um, the fear merchants, I think it was called. Right. This period, you know, the 1960s, there's everything going on. There's, there's, uh, there's Bond and there's all sort of uh, other bits and pieces and movies and TV shows and shows like The Avengers, which have this long-running situation. R- Rocky Taylor was in a similar situation. He kind of got the Steed thing originally by luck, you know, on the basis that yeah. one Ray was running a guy through a routine and said, can you do this? And, and the guy said, no, I can't do this. And he said to Rocky, can you do it? And he went, what, like this? <laughs> And then performed it. And went, right, go and get the suit on. You're doubling Steve. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you know, it happened very, very quickly. The show has become astronomical. Of course, the amount of the amount of support and fan base worldwide is amazing. Yeah. It's extraordinary to think that you were you were there at that particular time doing all of that extraordinary action for uh, well, firstly for Diana, but uh, of course further on for Linda. Yes. Yes, and uh, one day one of the writers came up to me and said he was so pleased that they'd actually finally got a girl because now he could write more in. Yes, it, yeah, yes of course. Yeah. It, it's a bit limiting if you've got a man doing it, because, you know, you, they don't walk the same. They haven't <laughs> got the same shape. You know, everything's different, you know. So no, that's very it, true. You, you can get away with much more if you've got a girl. That, that always fascinated me, and I, I suppose it fascinated anybody who's interested in this type of the, of the business. When you have doubles, obviously you're not just doubling them doing the action. You are doubling them being the character it's an yeah. acting role the movement. You know? so you'd have to study diana in certain ways those little mannerisms that she would do or the type of walk that she would do um, as mm. other actors would have to do a, a similar sort of thing did you spend a great deal of time kind of absorbing her in that respect yes of, yeah because it, it would work much better if you could do that because then i could mimic the way she finished off the last bit before they said cut right um, and then go into what i was going to do and then she would watch me so that she could do the same thing to fit back in and then it would all cut together really really well it would be easier for the for the for the editor to match those two shots up together yeah yeah Uh, and we could get away with more and more right did you find that in in the, some of those earlier shows, maybe with it was the type of routines you were being asked to do were were slightly more complicated with with Diana than they were with Emma uh, than they were with Linda? Were you having to? Did could you see a physical difference in those? They've got a different way of moving, right? Both of them. So yeah, it was different. And of course, you know the, the very long-running, successful show. And you were you were on it. Uh, was it right the way through the entire run? I didn't do on a black man, and I didn't do the no, black and right, white yeah. diner ones. I came in as they were doing colour. Because they were live shows originally, weren't they? They had... Um, they were. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I don't know whether you've heard the story. There's an extraordinary moment, because they used to bring in, when they were short of stunt guys, they used to bring in wrestlers. Jackie Palo was mm. brought in on one occation. And That's right. Having knocked to, him out, didn't she? Knocked him out, yeah. <laughs> right under his chin and knocked him out in the middle of a routine. And Honor had to kind of think, right, on her feet and dived on top of him to tussle with him when he's out cold just so yeah. they can get the whole shot it's extraordinary yeah. stuff keep it um, looking as if it's moving yeah and uh, ray austin of course went on from from there to to be a, a big director in the in the in the u.s yes. not only a second unit but first unit as well what was he like as a as a stunt arranger to uh, to to work for very straight down the line he was very good and for me i mean it was like going to school because Ray was in charge. I mean, Ray yeah. got me the name Sid Child, to be honest. I would come into work and he would say, well, here's the script. This is what the story is. This is what she's got to do. And this is how you're going to do it. And, right. uh, you know, it, it was like going to school. He taught me. 
a good stunt arranger is like that. They're sort of like dad, you know, you go to them yes. and they sit out and, and they'll go, they're the ones who will go to the production company and say, well, this, this earns an adjustment. This is a bit more. Right. They do it for you. Well, it's, it's good that that was the situation. I, I also, uh, we, we, we know full well that uh, not only the, uh, the very close relationship that you had with Diana, but you also had a, a bit of a nickname for, for, looking after strays as it's referred to in the book as uh, oh, yeah. as stray animals so tell us how um, how the uh, the extraordinary connection between between you and uh, and chrome as we know him now uh, uh, as yeah. the macaw how on earth did that happen well chrome was diana's parrot right um and um i started off when i got on the boat i realized i've got rats on there and i needed a, a cat and I came into work thinking, how am I going to get a cat? You know, I've got no time to, to go off and look for them. And the dress designer came in and said, uh, oh, Sid, uh, do you want Victoria and Albert, which were his cats? And <laughs> I said, oh, yes, please. And he sort of nearly fell over because I don't think he was expecting an instant reply like that. No, no, exactly. So yeah. I had his cats. And then um, Dorothy Ford, one of the other stunt girls, had her cat had kittens. And she'd said to me, oh, I heard you needed a cat. You know, would you like <laughs> so one of mine? There's four of them. <laughs> yeah. And um, I'd, got, I'd already got a dog, which was a, a stray that I'd found. And it became, it, it seemed to be like everybody around me was saying, oh, I've got this dog. And, and if it's not found a home, I'm going to have to put down. Oh, I've got this cat. Oh, I've got this. And I thought, I can't take any more. I've got three no. cats and a dog. And limited and space in which to keep them in. Yeah, yeah. This is well, on, actually, on the barge, isn't it? Yeah. Well, that's why I got the barge because yeah. I got the dog, and my landlord said you can't have a dog, and I ended up having the barge. And then that was when I decided I needed a cat because of the rats. And then <laughs> Diana was um, saying, you know, I've got this this um, blue and gold macaw, and he needs a home. And I was thinking, oh, crumbs, here comes another one. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And I said, oh, I can't, Diana, because I've got cats. You know, oh, he can deal with cats. You know, well, I've got this dog. Oh, he can deal with dogs. You know, well, um, I'd leave him on his own all day because I'm out. Oh, he likes to be on his own so he can practice. And I was thinking, he's got an answer for everything. <laughs> this, is, this is her yeah. way of saying, just take the bloody bird, yeah, yeah, please. Yeah. Take it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, well, it's a long story, really. There was a lady that I knew that um, she had motor neuronal disease and mm. um, I used to have to walk past her. She lived in um, uh, a music room, which was at the end of this big house, it had French windows. And right. I used to walk past there sort of in the middle of the night when I came home. And quite often she'd be awake and she'd call me in and we'd have a cup of tea and a chat. And um, I was talking to her and telling her about this problem with the parrot. And she said, oh, I'd love to have him. And I said, well, Diana says he swears. And she said, well, that's all right. I'll get him put up the corridor when the vicar comes. Um, <laughs> and so she had him. Um, but then eventually, because she was so ill, she got moved to a hospice. The, the lady that owned the house couldn't cope with him. So um, by that time, I'd realised that, yes, he would be fine with the cats and the dog yeah. and the practicing. So I had him and um, that I had him, you know, until he died, really. And, and uh, not only obviously a big part of your life as a pet, but, but a big part of, of, um, of the film world's life because he kept cropping up in, in numerous. Yeah. Well, what happened was I I was working on return of the pink Panther Mm -hmm. and the bit that I was working on only required me 
So there was me and Blake Edwards would be chatting to each other a lot because while they're moving things around, we'd be sitting down chatting away. And while we were talking, he found out that, you know, I did judo. He used to know Bruce Lee. So he was telling me all about Bruce Lee. Right. And then um, he found out about Chrome. And I didn't realise, apparently he's got a bit of a soft spot for parrots. And it was like, oh, you must bring him in. I must meet him. And then the next thing I know, he's got a, a spot in, um, or oh, which one was it? It was the next Pink Panther anyway. That was when... uh, Strikes Again. Yeah. That's strikes right. It. I was going to thought it's, it's not Rides Again. What is it? Is it Strikes Again? <laughs> that was Herbie, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, he came in on that. Yeah, he, then I was, when I was on um, For Your Eyes Only, I was talking to, I think it was Michael and Barbara. I'd seen the script and it had a, a parrot in it. And I said, um, have you cast your parrot yet? <laughs> <laughs> and they said, no, we're doing auditions when we get back to England. So I said, well, can my answer. parrot have an audition? So yeah. he <laughs> Even he had to audition. Yeah. Oh, he had to audition. Oh, yes. good. Uh, the problem yeah. was, unfortunately, he was dubbed. Uh, it was, it was, it was, uh, was Percy Edwards, wasn't it? Percy Edwards was the. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Percy Edwards. I don't know whether you re- whether you remember or people watching will remember. But there used to be a um, uh, show called Animal Magic with Johnny Morris, and yeah. uh, often they would have a guy called Percy Edwards come along because he made animal noises, and yeah. uh, eventually I think they they got uh, they got him to say some of the lines and that was the success of that but yeah he, so he was so, and he crops up again doesn't he <laughs> comes back in living day uh, living day yeah. well, they said to me we, we, we're not bothered about him actually saying anything in particular hmm. but we want him to look as if he's talking right so i thought well that that's actually really easily done all i had to do was to go along with a pot of peanut butter and then when they were going to actually film him i put some peanut butter on my finger and wiped it on the inside of his feet. <laughs> of course so he's then, doing then that. He was, of course he's. He was oh. trying to lick it off. Uh, uh. <laughs> Where did the St George's sink? Well, we can't be sure for certain. We know it was in this vicinity. Your father was using the temple as a, as a front. The starters killed your father because he didn't want him to find the St George's before he did. Christatos. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. How can I help? Well, where does your father keep his records, his, his daily log? Daily log, daily log. Father and he were pals for 30 years. He repeats everything. You must be curious. What's his name? Max. Max. Thank you. Hello. 
they just put the voice over the top. That's fantastic. Yeah, they, they did try to actually record him because he did. He did used to come out with different things, different times. The sound man insisted we had to go into this silent room, and then I couldn't say anything because um, they wanted him to speak. Yes. And of course, Chrome didn't understand that. Why were we in this silent room and I'm not saying anything? So he was silent as well. <laughs> so they didn't get anything out of him. Yeah, it's, kind of it's stuff- not him being a diva. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of stuff did he say? Did he- oh, he'd, he'd, he'd pick up almost anything, really. He, he got me into trouble because the um, Santos Military Academy used to um, practice on the river outside the boat that I was on. And you'd hear them going past and it'd be in. Out, in, <laughs> out, row, and all of this. And Graham picked up on that really quickly and became a little echo. So you'd get in, in, out, out. <laughs> and I looked through the uh, portal and they were all over the place. Uh, yeah. So you picked not, up that one. He wasn't a cuss parrot, though, was he? My, my wife, well, her, her mother is from Guyana, and they, in their sort of family home, they have a cuss parrot who basically just swears at you when you, when you go in. <laughs> <laughs> when I first got him, somebody thought it was extremely funny to teach him all the swear words they could think of. Ah, here we go. To yeah. say one after another. So, you know, so we didn't say that. So he just dropped it and he didn't say it anymore. But he did realise that the one that begins with F um, <laughs> would cause an enormous effect, you know, It'll in stick. some way. Yeah. yeah. So he would <laughs> save that one up. And um, the first time I came across <laughs> with that was... It was when he was with with Bar, the the lady that w- wasn't very well, and I'd gone out to see her one Sunday, and it was in the afternoon, and she said, "Well, can you put Chrome outside? Because it's a lovely afternoon. Let let him." Cl-. And he liked climbing up trees and things. And there was a small tree outside her window, so I put him on there, and he thought that was great. He climbed up there, and he was breaking off little branches and giggling and laughing to himself and climbing around. And we were there for a while, and eventually she said to me, "Can you get Chrome in?" now because it's getting a bit cold don't think he should be out there you see so I went to the tree and he was up the tree so I couldn't quite reach him so I put my arm out I said come on Chrome come on down and he went no and he climbed further up the tree <laughs> so I said Chrome come on down and you went F off at the <laughs> there was nobody nearby but he, he he wouldn't forget that one he might not say it for months but then if the situation <laughs> seemed right, he would build, say it. And, it. Keep it inside him and build it up. I love the idea that maybe a couple of doors down, somebody's going, don't go outside. There's a woman having an argument with a parrot. Don't <laughs> say anything. You know, get back inside the house quickly. You know. Well, when his, when his flight feathers started to grow, I thought, well, what do I do about this? I've been reading about it. And um, the, the book had said they can fly... 30 to 40 miles without stopping. Mm, wow. And I thought that could be a problem because he <laughs> could fly off and get lost. Well, yeah. So I went to the vet and said, you know, what do you do? Because I've not had a parrot before. And he, he didn't want to, to, to do anything about it. And he said, well, you can trim the feathers, but I don't really agree with that. He said, if you allow him to fly, do you think he'll come back to you? And I had a sudden flashback to being at the bottom of this tree with him swearing at me. And I thought, he'd be flying from tree to tree, telling me to F off. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. How did he get the name Max then? Because that's what Bond well, that, that was um, the character in the in the film. That's all right. So that is that's the, the part he's playing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> fantastic. 
Yeah, I'm glad they didn't call him anything else. I'm just uh, I think, Chrome's a lovely idea. I love I love the lovely name then. Chrome. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not um, really sure why he was called Chrome. There was a Captain Chrome, and I right. don't know if it was after that or whether it was the color because he had these incredible colors. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. There, there's some terrific. Um, another plug for the book, but when you look when you look at the book, there are some spectacular photographs yeah. uh, of uh, of uh, young Chrome on the shoulders of many, literally standing on the shoulders of giants. Yeah. Uh, is with uh, this uh, uh, Roger and Albert Broccoli Cubby, and a lovely picture with him and Lewis Collins on there as well. Um, yes. What was that for? Do you remember? Well, we had local village had a, a fate, oh, and Lewis right. Collins came to open the fate. And we'd volunteered that um, people could have their photograph taken with Chrome <laughs> to raise money. Yeah. Um, and Lewis came along and had his picture taken. Oh, super. No, oh, that's boy. terrific. Also, of course, we, we can't uh, we can't not talk about the book and the, the forward, which, is, of course, we mentioned earlier yeah, yeah. Uh, that Joanna Lumley uh, has Dame. provided your... Dame, now. Dame Joanna Lumley, as she is now, yes. has uh, provided the forward for your book. And, of course, you know, you were the arranger uh, on uh, on many episodes of the um, of the new Avengers where she started. <laughs> right. Is that where it all started with, with you two? Do you, I mean, have you kind of maintained this friendship throughout the years? Well, it started off um, that she'd been picked and um ray austin who was one of the directors by then yep. um said he wanted them to be really fit so could i get them fit um that was gareth and joanna mm-hmm. so we arranged that uh, we, we'd only got three weeks before they started shooting so we took over the band room at pinewood and yep. had some weights put in there for gareth and we did an hour a day just training Okay. So they did fitness training and then Gareth would work on the weights for an hour while Joanna did um, an hour's ballet work with a ballet teacher. Right. <laughs> so I was putting them through their paces. I mean, it was it was a different type of action to the original Avengers show, obviously, because uh, different scenarios, but certainly very physical for for not only those two, but for Patrick as well. Uh, yes. But it, 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 there, did you find that there was a, a lot of... Um, uh, different types of action that that needed to be arranged on that. That obviously the times have changed. We're mid seventies, aren't we now? Yes. Well, they, they just really wanted them to be as fit as possible, to be able to do as much as possible themselves, and um, that's where we we started off really. And um, I've stayed in contact with Joan since. Mm. Uh, there was a, a particular episode, Jim Dowdle in an in an episode, and uh, he was playing a hooded assassin on top of a train yes, carriage and yeah. uh, she kicked him off the roof of this train. <laughs> and then uh, they stayed in contact. And many years later, it, her husband then played organ at, uh, at Jim's wedding, um, ah. which was, uh, which was rather nice. The, the, uh, the guy said, uh, the, the priest said, well, you, Mrs. Scroggins normally does the, uh, you know, she she normally does the uh, the organ. I said, okay, well, I got this guy to come in, and of course he came and was playing this extraordinary organ. He said, well, I think we've probably done the right thing by letting Mrs. Scroggins <laughs> off today. Just, the organ's never there's dust pouring out of the organ in various places. There's so many Bond links, aren't there, with oh, the Avengers? Sure. The, I mean, obviously there's Joanna Lumley. Um, of course, who's in On a Majesty's as was Diana Rigg, right, and yeah. On a Blackman. But then there's you know, it's Patrick Mooney, isn't there? I mean, there's there's just there's so many. Yeah. Of them. And you've, you've you've worked with all these people. What what were they like to as a, you know off screen and on screen to work with? Well, I I found them all very good. I, I didn't find anybody who was um, you know a, a real diva. 
some of them were particularly nicer than others, but um, yeah, I got on all right with them. Um, so I, I did read that. Uh, I mean, Patrick had been had been voted best dressed man yeah. uh, oh, yes. on on you a number of occasions during the sixties. <laughs> uh, evidently, that um, wasn't always the case. Uh, if uh, if truth be known, is that right? Well, apparently he was a, a, I don't know what you call him, a naturalist, a nudist. Yes, really? something uh, like that, yeah. And when he wasn't working, he liked to amble about in the nude. <laughs> so, Patrick. A number of people knew this, but didn't talk about it. And I didn't know until I actually went up and knocked on his door and he answered it. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Sid. Come on yes. in. Yeah. Oh, it was, it was, you know, oh, come on in, you know, and I thought, oh, right. Um, and I was thinking, you know, I didn't know that this was how he was. And I thought this is a, even if he was a pervert, this is a strange way of sort of <laughs> starting the conversation. And, and then he said, you know, and, and he's sitting there, you don't mind, do you? And I was thinking, well, what he does in his own dressing room is entirely up to him. It's I, I don't care, but I thought I'm not taking my clothes off. <laughs> I'm, I'm staying the same. Yeah. <laughs> and I began to feel quite sort of uncomfortable because I thought I, I don't really, I don't really feel comfortable sitting here while he's lounging on the settee with nothing on. I thought I, I think. <laughs> I'll I'll go. <laughs> yes, uh, but I yes. did think it, when when um, when I I found out and other people said, oh yes, yeah, we all knew. I thought, well, it's strange that he's known as the best dressed man on television, mm. <laughs> and he prefers not to have any clothes at all. That's right. There is the irony of the whole thing, isn't it? You know, yes. We have the wonderful Pierre Cardin suits, and he looks really sharp. Yeah, and then yeah. Chooses well, not yes, to wear it. He, he used to. Um, he was in charge of his own wardrobe. He did, he oh. more or less designed Steed's wardrobe. Right. Which is strange for a nudist, really. Isn't it? Yes. <laughs> it's probably got nothing to base it on, I suppose. But uh, anyway. Um, nothing quite literally. Quite literally, nothing, yeah. Um, well, yes. We, we touched briefly on, on Pink Panther Strikes Again. Of course, the sequence that you're in there in Pink Panther Strikes Again uh, is, is, is another interesting situation because it's, it's a... Uh, it's a male dancing establishment, uh, or, or as it would be later known as a uh, as a as a gay club, I suppose it, it uh, referred yes, to yeah. as was in the seventies. The room is full of stunt people because there's a fight due to happen. But of course, they're all dancing with each other. Paul Weston and Romo are dancing just behind you. And of course, everybody wanted to dance with Romo because he used to be a ballroom champion, and they were all watching him to to see the steps. It, it must have been a very interesting set to work on. You you were. Uh, bobbing from table to table, as I remember, with uh, with Crow. Well, I, I was a bouncer. That's um, right, was, yes. Yeah. yeah. They um, dubbed my voice as well because it wasn't butch enough. Ah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it was too butch, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, I thought it was quite funny, actually, because, I mean, um, most of the stunt guys are all very macho and, uh, you know, we all turned up for work. Nobody knew quite what was going to happen. And, right. and then we're told that, you know, it, it's a gay club and the men have got to dance with the men. And I was thinking, this would be interesting. You know? <laughs> yeah. Who's going to pair with who? Yeah. <laughs> but they, they all just um, took it in good part. And, and had a, I think they all had a bit of a laugh, really. I, think, I seem to remember Paul Weston saying he was originally dancing with Mark McBride, but they couldn't dance with each other because they were both trying to lead. So he, <laughs> <laughs> he had to find, yeah. right, somebody take me. He's, well, yeah. I'm supposed to be leading here and you're not. Yeah, and, I, I think that, they, they took it all in good part. It, yeah. it was good fun. Extraordinary films too. They're they, uh, movies that, that 
sadly aren't made today maybe wouldn't be allowed to be made today because of the the, the type of uh, the type of laughs that they were getting at the time but huge fun i mean that the pink panther oh, yeah. pictures and peter sellers being peter sellers because he was he was always the character wasn't he and not necessarily peter sellers himself no and, and, and he was big giggler as well yeah we would do something or other and he would get it wrong and be giggling and he was obviously playing to all of us as an audience and we would look at Blake Edwards to see if Blake Edwards was laughing. And if he was, then we could laugh. We'd all laugh. Okay, and then you do fine. it again, we'd all laugh. But all the time, all of us, the, the rest of the people there, would be keeping an eye on Blake Edwards. And the moment Blake Edwards just kept a straight face and didn't laugh, then we wouldn't laugh. And then Peter would stop and you'd get on with it. And you'd get on with it. Okay. There was a, yeah. well, Blake Edwards has a, an extraordinary reputation or had an extraordinary reputation for being you know, quite, a, quite a tyrant as far as wanting and getting what he wanted. Um, I think it was Revenge of the Pink Panther where he wanted a pink 747 so that they could take the crew uh, down to a particular location or, or a film festival, I believe, was going on. And Boeing had said, you know, okay, we'll provide you with one. And they got to Heathrow on this particular morning and it was gold. And the guy, there was a young guy on the desk who said, look, I'm, I'm really sorry, but we weren't able to meet the requirements that you were looking for. But gold is great because gold, in the Olympics, gold is number one. You know, gold is the most important thing. And, and Blake wasn't having any of this. And he said, look, I need this by Thursday. Otherwise, I'm going elsewhere. And he walked away and they came back on Thursday and there was a pink 747. So, you know, they really do push out the boat when he, when, when Blake says, no, I want this, he used to get it. Yeah. And uh, I suppose eventually he would get the scene that he was looking for from Peter. Uh, as you say, once everybody had stopped giggling, yeah. once he'd stopped giggling, that was the key. Yeah. I mean, he, he wasn't nasty with it. He did get what he wanted. Mm. And he, he did have these little touches because at, at Shepparton, when we were working um, on one of them, They'd, um, when we went for lunch, we found that the room that we were using, somebody had painted above it the Pink Panther Vroom, and they spelled it R-H-E-U-M. Vroom. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Do you have a room? Yes. That's right, yes. <laughs> uh, they're, they're sensational. And not only that, of course, you, you continue to make appearances during the course of, uh, of this period in, in uh, movies that really still stand the test of time now, including Superman 2, which is a huge favourite of mine. I think you, I, I've counted that you're in that about six or seven times, maybe eight times uh, altogether. You just keep popping up, because obviously the team was relatively small, wasn't it? Were you just in well, yes. for a couple of nights well, here or a day there? The, the way it seemed to work, because we were all, you know, all the people in the street, and the way it seemed to work was um, if you could keep changing your look somehow, yeah. put different clothes on, do your hair differently, put a wig on, whatever, be somebody else, that was fine unless the camera rested on you. If you were given a line, then you found that you were off after that. You know, oh, right. you couldn't be used yeah. again because yeah. they'd had a good look at you. Yeah, that's true. Poor old uh, Royal On had, let's go get him. Of course, he was never seen again after that. But <laughs> <laughs> Terry Walsh well, and I Peter Brace say... and you appeared about half a dozen times, I think. After yeah, that. I think I was about seven passes by, something like that. And it, it wasn't until I was sitting on the curb with the rocks falling around me going, Superman, help us. <laughs> Oh yeah, That's right. Yeah, <laughs> oh. yeah. You you also uh, you came out of the um, came out of a KFC when you're getting a takeaway yes. with with them and quite a Terry lot Walsh. of takeaway. To be fair, yeah, half a dozen, well, we half a dozen boxes party, you know. <laughs> and then blown up the street. It was actually there was a lovely atmosphere there because um, it, it was fun and it was interesting and and you were allowed to bring friends that could watch. Oh, okay. 
And that was fine until one night um, after, because we used to leave about one o'clock in the morning, something like that. And uh, one night after we'd all gone, somebody else broke in and robbed all the shops because the, <laughs> the, the, the stuff in the windows was genuine. Right. It had oh, all been loaned. Really and um, somebody came and cleaned them all out. And after that, the security came down and that was that. You couldn't have anybody else in. You can't get within 10 feet of anywhere now without no. somebody asking for 26 bits of separate paper, can't you? Yeah. Imagine breaking into someone. And a mask. And a, ma- the world, and a mask. Yeah, yeah. Right, yes. Was this, the world's changed. Was this when Richard Donner was still directing or was, was Richard Lester on board by now? I think it was Richard Donner. Because they reshot a lot no, of it. Oh, no. He, that, like, yeah. I, I, to be honest, on a big film like that, you don't see the director all that much. They're sort of way in the distance. Yeah, yeah. gosh. But Richard Donnie used to, to drive around. He had um, like a, a trike that he'd actually borrowed off of um, props. Okay. And he would ride around and, and talk to us. <laughs> right. <Okay. laughs> um, the, uh, uh, Roy Scammell's in that as well. He's the, he, um, yes. He's on um, his roller said, skates, isn't he? You're roller skating. I said, you're always, he's always roller skating in something or other. He was, and I said, how did you manage to, he said, I was the only one that could roller skate. So, oh, I say they, <laughs> they'd obviously written something in and a guy flies by on roller skates evidently and, and said, you know, where is Roy? Is he busy? Right. Get, bring your boots. <laughs> yes. You're going to go yes, off down the high street. Right. Yeah. It was an amazing set that as well. The, uh, on the, uh, on the backlog, presumably built. I mean, it's a, a remarkable thing. They had an entire street there and practically demolished the whole thing, didn't they? Well, if you walked halfway up the street, all of a sudden you were a giant because the perspective. Of course, you got perspective. Right yes, down. right. Good stuff. Well, I, 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 Superman's always been a great, uh, a great favourite of, of mine. I know, and and I think really we should we should probably uh, have a look at uh, at the world of Bond now and your yeah. experience there with uh, with for your eyes only. I know that obviously we've touched on Chrome's appearance in the picture. Yours mm-hmm. is much more brutal uh, as it goes uh, as far as. Certainly, the knockdown is concerned, which we'll have a, we'll have a look at first, if we may. You're doubling Cassandra Harris. You are to be knocked down by a dune buggy in what could only be described as very little. I mean, you're not wearing. There's no way of hiding pads, anything of that nature. You you are literally in a bikini and this and this over the top. How did you get around to rehearsing it? Firstly, if there was options for rehearsing, and and were you able to to protect yourself in any way? at all for that uh, for that gag this is one of the drawbacks that you know female stunt people have because yeah. you very often what you're wearing won't allow you to wear pads right um and for that it was the smallest bikini i've ever seen i mean the the wardrobe lady gave me a brown paper bag and i thought she was offering me a sweet <laughs> and she got you <laughs> And I said, where's my costume? I don't know what I'm wearing. And she gave me a brown paper bag. And I thought it was going to be like a Murray Mint or something. (laughs) What's that? (laughs) She said, it's a costume. I said, is that it? And she said, oh, no, 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 there's this. And she gave me this see-through thing that was to be worn over the top, which didn't help at all because you couldn't hide any pads under it. No, no. But what we did was we, um, we started off from stationary, and I had to do what I was going to do. And we worked that, that out. And then we did it with him driving very slowly, doing exactly the same thing. Wow. And then a little bit faster and same thing. And we had it worked out exactly how we were going to do it. The difficulty came when um, we were actually going to do the shot and everybody's there, right, okay, we're doing it now. And it was the Remy Julian driving team. And the, the one who was going to do it with me was the younger brother. The and then when we were actually Dominique. going to do it, 
the older brother came along and said, I'm doing it. Oh. And of course, I hadn't rehearsed it with him, mm. um, but he insisted he was doing it. And I thought, well, I don't want to have a big fuss. Um, I just want to do it. And he came hurtling around the corner much faster than he should have done. But I thought, I think I can still do it. So I did it. Unfortunately, that meant we didn't have to do it again. But I did actually take the light off of the front and break the windscreen. You yeah. did. You, bro- you broke the windscreen with your face. That's uh, right. Which Ian, is, you know, going to break it with an elbow, maybe. But no, you, you face planted right into the centre of that windscreen. <laughs> There's a couple of things which I've, which has always concerned me about that gag. Firstly, uh, we'll get onto the speed thing in just a second, but it's sand. And whenever you're, mm. it's quite deep sand by all accounts. Whenever you're moving across sand, you, you don't seem to have the purchase in order to yeah. no. get yeah. up, get up onto the bonnet, which is presumably no. what you were trying to do. Um, That's right. What speed had you rehearsed it at? I mean, was it what, 10, something like that? And uh, um, it looked like it was coming really... in like a... I really can't remember. Um, it was uh, slower than he came round that. Um, yes. And we had it. We had it just off to a nice tea. It was fine. Yeah, but it was a bit more vicious on the t- on the, on the day. Just but at least touch, it, it worked, and it, it it it. I didn't have to do it again. If I had to do it, and then found that oh well, it wasn't right because you know we'll do it again. But we didn't have to do that. It's. Uh, I've seen lots of knockdowns over the years and have have uh, have been open-mouthed with many of them but that one still makes me go <gasps> even now yeah. you know, it's uh, when you watch it because it's it's the it's there's a number of things there's the, the the fact of the outfit that you're in firstly and you know yourself there's nothing to protect you when you make that contact uh, there's the sound effect of you hitting the car there's the engine going by yeah. there's a whole the number of things Stream put them all together well. yeah. and it really does and the, the position oh, I didn't do you the end- scream. No, no, no. no, no. I, I wouldn't expect you to do. <laughs> that was me, I think. When I I'm saw not really going to do it screaming. <laughs> uh, the uh, the position that you land in afterwards, you've got yeah. one leg over the other, and it, as though I got, oh my god, she's, you know, I know you're yeah. waiting for somebody to go cut, but I mean, you you were actually injured there, weren't you? And that you did pick up an injury as you were. Well, um, I skinned my my left shin, um, taking the light off. Yes. And I, I did actually cut my lip. And then we had to wait an hour for a local doctor to come out. I went and fetched oh. a Greek doctor. Um, <laughs> and they don't, they don't do local anesthetic. No, <laughs> they give you ouzo and go, here, take this. <laughs> do your no, best. No, they don't do anything. They just oh, stitch no, not it. at all. Oh. Yeah. Really me. 
all things considered, you were very lucky to come away with a skin, shin, and yeah, uh, and yeah. a lip. You know, it could have been so, so much worse. But, I mean, uh, un- absolutely remarkable when you look at it. I covered it not too long ago on, on, on my YouTube show, and it's still people are still going, good God, I didn't realize that was done for real or, you know, at speed, which it, which it evidently was. It's remarkable. It really was. Was that the last part of the of your filming that you did on the picture? You no, wanted, you, we, want, we you wanted did, to think um, it was, right? We did um, another bit, which actually gave me the creeps. We, we had to do the bit where Melina and Bond are in the water and he's going to run them down with the yacht. Oh, yes. Oh, yep. yeah, yeah. Turn around. We go again. <gasps> it doesn't look anything when you look at it. It looks like two footballs floating in the water. That's um, a distant we shot. Were actually, okay. We were actually people. Yeah. And what we had to do was <laughs> we had to wait for it to come at us and then we had to duck dive and swim down. Okay. Um, and the water there is really salty and buoyant, and it's hard to actually get down. Okay. Um, and you're, it, it, it's deep as well, so you're swimming ferociously trying to go down, and all you can see is blue. You can't see anything else, it's just blue. And, and you don't know whether you're just swimming on the spot or whether you're actually making any headway getting down. Right. And you can hear the engine getting louder and louder and louder and louder. And then you, and you get to the point where it's going over you. And every time it did it, it was as if there was somebody with a fingernail that just run down my back. Ooh. And it must have been something to do with the, the waves of the water from the propeller. Yes, the vibrations but, uh, through the water. Yeah, the back of your mind, you're thinking, is it the propeller? Because <laughs> you, you don't want to be kicking and then finding that you're going up instead of going down. You know, no, you're trying to, well, you're desperately trying to swim down, but you don't know. Because of this, this thing, you can't relate to anything because it's just blue. Right. So for all you know, you could be swimming on the spot with your legs sticking out the water. Ah, leave him. <laughs> Turn, run them down. And as far as instruction was concerned, were you going to a particular point? You right, dive down, keep going until you get to here, or was there a was there a, a, a rope hole to hang on to at some point further down? No, it was, it was just swim swim down, and the boat goes over you, um, and then obviously you run out of air, so you come back up yeah. because we didn't have any, any apparatus or anything. No, else. but no. I did find that creepy because I the back of my, I, I knew it wasn't, but the back of my mind, you can't help it. You start thinking, is that the propeller? Sharks have them. Make port. I will freeze. Oh. Is it the propeller? <laughs> Of course, the, the, you spent some time around the pool in that pool sequence as well, didn't you? Well, they ran yeah, out of girls. They ran so out of no girls. <laughs> right, have we got any more girls about, please? Well, they had about 13. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't have enough girls. They, they've got a whole collection of Bond girls. Which That's they, right, yeah. At that stage, they used to keep them in a different hotel. They wouldn't let them mix with the rest of us. 
Um, and they, they put them around the pool as to, like dressing, you know, make it make it look good. But they didn't have enough girls, so Dorothy and I had to appear somewhere or other just to fill out the girls' bit. <laughs> and I thought, well, this is fun because the hairdresser put all bougainvillea in my hair and everything, it made me look all glamorous. And I thought, oh, this is quite nice. I quite yeah. like this free hairdo. And then one of the um, stuntmen, I think it was Tom Hegarty, had to sit on the edge of the pool, and he's got his gun in a holster. And at some point in the fight. He has to overbalance and his gun falls into the pool. Yeah, right. And they all said, for the rehearsal, don't drop the gun in the pool. And every time he did it, he dropped the gun in the pool. Because <laughs> it was deep, wasn't it? It was 18 foot deep with salt oh. water in it. That's um, a deep and, pool, yeah. And Bob Simmons was going around saying, um, could uh, anybody go down and get it for me? And everyone's like, oh, no. You know, because we, we didn't want to spoil that. We got yeah, yeah. Got the hair on, yeah. And I've got the really and I thought, uh, what if I swim down there? It's going to ruin it. <laughs> and in the end, and, and he asked Dorothy, and Dorothy said, oh, I can't go down without my goggles, and I haven't brought my goggles. All oh, right, okay. And he went on and asked all these other people, and eventually I thought, he's going to come to me in a minute. And he came to me and said, can you go down and get it? And I thought, well, he's given me a job on this film. I can't really can't just go, no, no get it yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I thought, all oh, right, okay. So I went down and got it, and I thought, I hope he's learned his lesson now. He's not going to do it again. But every single time he did the rehearsal, he dropped it in the dropped pool. It again. And every single time, oh. I had to go down and pick it up. Oh, and it was dear. quite hard getting down there, because 18 foot is quite way. And if again, it's salt, it's salt water, water yeah. yeah. It's salt water, and it's pushing. You, you stroke with your arms, but then you feel yourself going up again, and you're pulling, and you're going up, and you're pulling. You think, where is the bloody thing? <laughs> <laughs> but so you, you can say you're a Bond girl as well as a Bond stunt woman. Yeah. Uh, yes. Exactly. And Chrome was a Bond bird. Bond bird. <laughs> we, we, we're a pair of Bond birds, we are, me and Chrome. Yes. yes and right. he was on two. Yeah, that's yeah. right. He's done two. Yeah, you also got to double Carol, but in a in a different capacity because it's when when she's with Gonzalez, who is the guy obviously flying the plane, oh, yeah, the seaplane. Yeah. Oh yes, that, that yeah. lands at her parents' boat. Yeah. Why were you in there? Because obviously it's not in the edit, and you can't really see whether it's two people in the plane as it flies down towards. No, the they they'd got. Well, I can't remember actually. There were various different bits. I think she had to get off. At a certain point, I really can't remember. But I, I know to get on the plane, you had to walk through the sea to get on it. Oh, and I'd I got see, this right. this uh, haute couture outfit on, which had cost a fortune. Yes. Um, so I had to take the trousers off to walk through the sea to get on the plane and then get on the plane. And, oh, that's right, and we had to land. And, of course, she's wearing the trousers. So I had to put the trousers back on in this little tiny plane while it's flying about. <laughs> and then they a, said, there's no room to they, swing a cat in there, presumably. Well, no, and they've got another bit, and they said, oh, while you're up in the air, what we want to do is we're going to have the plane coming down, attacking the boat. Oh, yes, that's right, yeah. So he's going to fly down with all his lights flashing that he's attacking. But, of course, Melina's not in it then, so then I had to hide. So I had to go <laughs> in the back of the... Uh, the back of this, this plane and try and hide. And, of course, with him doing all this you know, leaping about everywhere. I'm, I'm in, in negative G, floating about with all the paint cans <laughs> oh. in the back. <laughs> Dear me. Had, hadn't thought this through, really, had they? No. <laughs> that you, you come out well, the other end covered with paint and God knows what else. Uh, no, the can, well, fortunately, the cans didn't open. Oh, but good. It was, it was just trying to hide. And I thought, they're going to have me floating in the air at some point. Did it feel like but you were it, on a Bond film, though? You know, this, this is the glamour. This is everybody sort of treated a bit more, I don't know. 
Well, yes, because we all had to meet, well, the whole thing, actually, because they send a car to pick you up. And I just knew that a car was going to come and pick me up. And I thought it'd be just a taxi, you know. Um, and this large, shiny, black, chauffeur-driven car drives up to, to pick me up. And I wasn't ready. And he had to wait. And he was quite happy about that. And he didn't get annoyed, like taxi drivers would, you know. Um, and then we got to the airport and uh, we all met there. Um, and our plane was Monarch Airlines, and it was M007. <laughs> oh, oh <nice>. yes! <laughs> and then we had um, we had Bucks Fizz given to us on on the flight out, and um, but then they treat you very well, but then they want you to work. You're not going to lounge around, yeah. and you know you're going to be there, and you'll you'll film from the beginning of the day, you oh, know, yeah. like when dawn, and you'll go on until the light starts to fail at the end yeah. of the day. Mm. and you'll probably work every single day. You'll be lucky if you get a day off, really. But that's was, fair enough. You know, they, how much was they put Kubi you in a nice then? hotel and they're paying you well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You. Was, so was Cubby like overseeing everything? Was he always on set? How often was he there? He wasn't there all the time, but he was around. Yeah. Yeah. You, you spent a great deal of time on the beach there and, and, and doing uh, the, with, with all the other guys. And, and of course, there, there was... You were doubling Cassandra, and of course, her husband later on yeah, yeah. will become Bond. Yeah. I, I know that yeah. uh, Greg had said that they used to play football on the beach, and and Pierce would jump up and make up the numbers, and they'd all have a kick about. Did you did you experience any of that when you were uh, when you were there on set? I didn't experience any of that, but we would. There were things that we did do, like we discovered they did this paragliding. And oh, I that's I've got, right. Yeah. I've got to have a go at that, um, <laughs> and. Uh, it was quite funny, really, in, in some ways. I mean, there was, at that stage, there used to be a lot of this topless sunbathing. Oh, yes. And um, I thought, well, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I just don't <laughs> want to do it. <laughs> um, and um, what would happen would be the other girls would say, well, I'm not doing it either then. If Sid's not doing it, I'm not. And, and the fellas are like, what do you have to do that for? <laughs> <laughs> you were the benchmark. If you didn't do it, nobody else Yeah, did. yeah. <laughs> One of them's not doing it. Oh, well, the others won't now. <laughs> oh, right. Sid, get, get your bags packed. You're going home. Yeah. <laughs> Stop the fun for the rest. Dear, dear. Well, because uh, there's uh, John Glenn when he was uh, when he was interviewed on the show as an animal lover, obviously, yes. of course, your, your, your love of animals. So what, what was he like as a director? You presumably spent a great deal of time around John as well because it was his yeah, first bond. Yeah, he was very good. Yeah. And he was very fond of Chrome as well. There's a good photo of him uh, with with Chrome on uh, on his shoulder, I think, uh, in the yes. uh, in the book, exploring uh, uh, everything that goes on. Bon. 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 He's there. That's in the Prime Minister. I'll get it, Dennis. Hello, Mr. Bond on the line, Prime Minister. Ah, Mr. Bond. I wanted to call you personally and to say how pleased we all are that your mission was a success. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Don't thank me, Mr. Bond. Your courage and resourcefulness are a credit to the nation. Dennis and I look forward to meeting you. Meanwhile, if there is anything I can do for you... Give us a kiss. Give us a kiss. Well, really, Mr. Bond. <laughs> I think we're having a little trouble with the line, madam. Give us a kiss. Double O seven. Double O seven. Bond. What's going on? Bond. 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 Bond
Did he get it thrown back though? Was it was it his decision? Oh, I know that parrot. I, I'd like it for living daylights. Well, how? What was the link there? I don't know. I, I don't know who decided on that because uh, they wanted in uh, for your eyes only. He had to be the parrot that gives the game away about you know, yeah. atectors and yeah. girls and all that. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but on um, living daylights, he was just a parrot on a perch in a kitchen. How unhygienic can you get? <laughs> he was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think they they just liked him. I mean, observing observing the, the fight while Bill Weston gets knocked about. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, um, he did sort of get the the whole crew sort of took to Chrome. He used to wander about on the set. As long as he didn't do anything he shouldn't do, he was allowed to just wander about. And he'd climb along the top until he found where Roger and Cubby were playing um, backgammon. And then he'd sit and watch them. I mean, they'd look at one, they'd be looking at the other. <laughs> and um, the wardrobe lady was a bit frightened of him, and one of the wardrobe ladies, and she, she used to shy away from him. She found him a bit scary. And, of course, he realised that, and he, he didn't like people feeling like that about him. He wanted to be friends. Mm. So he, he wouldn't leave her alone. Whenever she was around, he'd be sort of, hello, and he'd be sort of trying to get near her until eventually one day she walked up to me and she got him on her shoulder and she said, can I take him off for a walk? Oh. I said, well, yeah, but where, where are you taking him? You've like changed your shoes. <laughs> but he made friends. Well, certainly as, as, far as, as far as action in film is concerned, as far as stunts in, in film is concerned, you've experienced a great deal of work. Do you find, and, and obviously the Bond films have always been the ones that have tried to do it for real. That's always been their key mm. phrase. Let's do it for the stuff for real. There's a great deal more CGI these days and computer-generated stuff going on. Do you think there's a... Is it a change for the better? Can you see things progressing with that? Or how do you feel about it? I don't know, because I'm not involved anymore. But I think the problem is that every film tries to outdo the film before. Mm. You know, oh, well, they did that, so we've got to do it a bit further. A bit more, a bit higher, a bit more dangerous, a bit faster. Um, I don't really know where it's going to go on that. Where do, have you have you seen the last batch of, of Bond films? What was the last Bond movie you saw? Do you remember? Oh, we saw the new one, uh, No Time to Die, Right, uh, just recently. And your verdict? <laughs> I liked it, but I'm not <laughs> sure where they're going to go from there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. Standard answer obvious. across the board, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you get arguments from from everybody. Everybody's saying different things. My husband's saying, that's it, they're not making any more. And then somebody else is going, oh, yeah, but I've heard it's going to be a black girl. All right. And then somebody else is saying, oh, it's going to be so-and-so, it's going to be so-and-so, you know. So we'll have to wait and see. Only Barbara and Michael know, don't they, at this stage, I think. That's right. And and they won't tell. And if they do, they're not letting on. They're not letting on, no. (laughs) It's been a, a pleasure to chat to you, Sid. Thank you so much for yes, thank you. You know, giving us these amazing stories. And like we said at the start, you, you are a pioneer in the stunt world, the judo world, and you know, and so is Chrome, I suppose. It's been a great thrill talking to you. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. And, uh, and we wish you all the very much the big success with the book. Yes, so I shall once there again, it is again. I shall once again yes, show. Here it is, much. folks. Look, yes, yes. here it is. Buy one. Everybody buy one. Yeah, buy one. We'll be now. telling people and, all about uh, it. Don't worry, Sid. Thank you. Nice to speak to you. Thank you.
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.